I grudge them, grudge them on, you know. I threw him a fight for black liberation. And him a one true warrior. Them I want to try to stop him. But them can't stop the man. Them can't stop Raheem Shabazz. That's why anytime me want to listen to revolutionary liberation vibes, me tune into Necessary Blackness Podcast. Me not hear them like a Yaga Yaga podcast them. I be your Necessary Blackness me rock with. Anytime me want your true warrior talking. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. Wingy Apparel is the latest fly in revolutionary streetwear to hit the market. Wingy is the outfitters of freedom fighters everywhere. Wingy is a Swahili word that means abundance. No one has ever gone broke by giving. So if you have it in abundance, sharing is better than receiving. Follow us on Instagram at Wingy Apparel. That's at W-I-N-G-I-A-P-P-A-R-E-L. Necessary Blackness Podcast is independently owned and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness Podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognize no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Marcy Lee, and this is three weeks in a row. (laughs) That's right. We're doing good. You know, they say the third time is a charm, and today, family... Necessary Blackness Podcast listeners, we're going to not only charm you with some information, but we're going to make it informative and engaging as possible. Now, before we get into our topic subject, I just wanted to go over an article that's actually on CNN Health, and it talks about black babies. And it says that black babies are three times more likely to die when looked at by white doctors. Right. You know, someone will read that as in the dominant society and they will say, oh, it doesn't matter the color of the doctor. You know, a doctor is a doctor, but it does matter. The same way that we have been arguing for years and statistics shows the data is there that there's a disparity in, in education as well as health. And in education, those that have black teachers are more prone to be more successful, more prone to graduate and have careers and different things like that. 
So in this article, it talks about black newborn babies in the United States are most likely to survive childbirth if they are cared for by a black doctor, but they're three times likely to die if they're cared for by a white doctor. Why do you think that? First of all, that's heavy, but I think it's just a reflection of um, the entire makeup of our society in regards to how white people feel about black people. It's almost like there's a lack of empathy and they don't see us as needing uh, the same as what uh, their white counterparts might need. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's just a true reflection of how people really feel of bias. Mm-hmm. Um, some people confuse racism and bias. Um, and some people feel like having um, when their racism isn't overt mm. and, you know, is passive. They don't consider it to be racism, but it shows that there is a bias because the data is actually reflecting that. So you can't argue with the research. You can't. So, you know, a lot of people might say that this is racism, but this is science. And in the science field, they call the statistics. They call it data. And when I was reading this article, it just brought me back to the book by our dear sister, Medical Apartheid. Mm. And that's a very good book, family. If you haven't read that book, make sure you go out there and check it out. But the article goes on to say, right, mortality Mm -hmm. rate Mm -hmm. has shrunk between 38% and 59% when there's a black doctor involved. So that's very key that if the mortality rate shrinks from 38% to 59% because there's a black doctor, then in order to save black life, if we say black life matters, black lives matters, then we need to have black doctors. What right. you think? Yeah, so I I agree. And it's, it's, it's very scary uh, when, you know, when parents are looking for um, professional health care providers, a lot of times, a lot of black Parents are thinking, I need a black doctor because you want to have be more assured that you're going to receive the care that you need and that it's not going to be subpar because it's just something that is present and it is real. That when you are a black person and you're walking into a white health care provider's office, mm-hmm. you're just not you're 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 not comfortable as comfortable as if it was a black healthcare provider, because you just don't know the type of care that you're going to receive. And we also can't forget the numerous cases that we see of individuals who are not given proper medication Mm. to alleviate the pain. Mm -hmm. And studies show that uh, white physicians and doctors believe that we have a higher threshold and that we could endure pain. That shouldn't even come into play. Like, why are you measuring my threshold for pain? Just do what's the normal, normal, regular protocol. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be based off of race. That's where the bias comes in. And sometimes it's unconscious. They don't realize what they're doing. You know, I'm not going to say every case is not uh, uh, unconscious, but I believe that it stems from the stereotypes that we are 
stronger, brute, aggressive, and we could endure pain and hmm. goes back to how they view us. Just recently, the officer that killed our, our dear brother, uh, George Floyd, he gave a deposition and he said that he was in shock at the superhuman strength that George Floyd was exhibiting. This man was handcuffed, and you talk about he had superhuman strength. Were you on his neck? It was one of the perpetrators, like one of the officers. Yeah, the, 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 the one that looked Asian. So he was surprised at how much he could withstand. Yeah, and he was shocked, and that's why he didn't intervene. That don't even sound right. No, nah, I don't. And that's why they're going to go to jail. They're going to get convicted if justice is to be served. You know, now I'm not optimistic. You know, I let the chips fall where they may. And um, you say you're I not optimistic? No. In regards to them getting what they deserve? Or oh, no, 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 no. no, no. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just not following. <laughs> so you're, you're not optimistic about the outcome? The outcome. Oh, okay. Yeah, the outcome. I'm not optimistic about the outcome. Because why? Because we live in, in a system of, of racism and white supremacy. And our history. Tells us as a, that, country, as a country, tells us that they don't give a fuck about black life. <laughs> what Mike say? All I want to say is that they don't give a fuck about it. You know, remember that song? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, so, you know, Mike was on time. Mike knew what time it was. Yeah. Um, Prince, you know, a lot of our greats. I seen you post a video of Prince. Yeah. A little snippet. Yeah. And, um, what was he saying in that? Video? He was saying that there's a war going on in the mind, and he's saying that the mind is the battlefield. Um, basically, and I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of times people aren't thinking about mind elevation. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about how they can improve their 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 lives on a daily through self mastery. So when I saw that clip, um, that's why it resonated with me. Okay. Because I feel like that's something that each and every one of us should be thinking about on a daily. Absolutely. And speaking of having control over your mind, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to go into our subject matter. We're going to talk about self-care when dealing with a narcissist, among other things. So make sure y'all stay tuned. Make sure y'all stay locked. This is Raheem Shabazz with my co-host, Marcy Lee. <laughs> and you listening to Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. Necessary Blackness Podcast is independently owned, and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself, who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to NecessaryBlacknessPodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness Podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from our quick commercial break. And for those that are just joining us, 
This is the Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am here with my lovely co-host. Marcy Lee. You know what time it is. So, before we went to commercial break, we said we was going to get into a subject matter talking about people that are narcissistic, right? And this is a subject that is seldom talked about Mm. because whether people want to believe it or not, you know, it's a mental health disorder. And we know that, you know, speaking about mental health in the black community Mm. is is taboo. But we are coming at a time where more people are talking about it. It's not um, looked upon with a stigma as before. So I want to, I want to talk about that subject matter. And, um, I want my necessary blackness podcast listeners to really, really tune in because you may not be a Gnostic, but there may be somebody in your family, a loved one, someone that you in a relationship with. You need to know the signs. You need to know how to make your exit plan mm. <laughs> because this illness um, has led to uh, people taking violent actions. Uh, they have what they call a, a narcissistic rage, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. So I want to ask you a question. I just want to have a real spirited conversation. I want to ask you, you know, in your daily travels, have you ever encountered someone that was narcissistic or have you ever been in a relationship with someone or as today's generation using their vernacular, have you ever been in an entanglement (laughs) with someone that is a narcissistic? Well, I think um, today... There's a lot more people who are being um, accused of being narcissistic. That are not? Um, Well, you know, they're showing characteristics. Okay. Like even with social media, like how a lot of young people are, you know, taking photos here and there and, you know, just making everything about them. That's a sign of a narcissist. Okay. And um, even President Trump, a lot of Uh, people say he's a narcissist. Um, anyone, they gotta be another word for him. <laughs> he's a super narcissist. Yeah. But, uh, no, um, I feel like there's a lot of signs. Um, and one of them being someone who points the finger at others, um, who, those who don't take responsibility for their actions and make things all about them. Like the whole world revolves around them. And to answer your question, unfortunately, yes, I have, um, been in a relationship with a narcissist. And at the time, I didn't know what a narcissist was, like when I was going through it. Mm, Um, At the tail end of the situation, it was brought to my attention um, that he was a narcissist. And actually, it was my son who researched the information and told me that this person um, was a narcissist. And after I looked into it, I was shocked that it was a real thing. I'm like, you mean to tell me other people have been going through this as well? And the most important thing to know about a narcissist is they know how to pick um, their partners. 
Mm. And that's something that stood out to me. Like someone who's caring, someone who's very attentive, um, someone who is kind of chill and laid back and kind of let them have their way. That's what they like. So, the, so most, well, in this situation, the individual, um, because what they say is that there's telltale signs, but they also said that most people that's narcissistic, they know that they can't openly display those behaviors oh, in the beginning. Mm. So they call it what they call the honeymoon stage. Mm. Like none of those uh, characteristics are to be displayed. And then lo and behold, when you in the third, fourth year of a relationship. To be honest, it, it shows up sooner, but it's so subtle that you don't realize it is, that's what it is. That is a red flag. Mm. Like you tell yourself that it's something else. Like in my case, that's yeah. what I did. This person was very selfish. And I told myself, you know, like, uh, you know, he'll grow out of it or he'll move away from it. It's not a big deal. But no, narcissists are very selfish. Um, down to like hiding food selfish. Oh, like, wow. you know, <laughs> um, so... Um, I think that there are signs, but I think that when you're ill-informed, mm -hmm. um, or you're thinking, cause I'm always trying to see the best in people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I overlook things that should not have been overlooked. And I was young, so and I was, was super young. young and I feel like that also is something that they probably looked for. You okay. Know? Okay. So. After realizing an error in judgment, most people, they feel the wrath of the Gnostic, you know, and I read extensively some of the things that they do. I'm talking about the lying, being conniving, being violent, like it just ran <laughs> through a list, right? Have you had any of that experience when dealing with someone that displays these characteristics? I, I, I did. And the thing is, though, throughout our relationship, he did it to other people. And mm. see, the problem was that I convinced myself that that would never be me. He was doing horrible things to other people, criticizing them, judging them, um, de defacing people's property. Like, he was doing things to other people. And I was just thinking, like, man, this guy's crazy. Like, yeah. you know, like, as long as he don't do it to me. Like, he put me on a pedestal. Yeah. He made me feel like he really loved me. But what I'm finding out is that it's debatable if it's love. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it's love now because what he did at the tail end, I'm like, this is a totally different person. Wow. Like, how could he vow? And one of the signs is they vow to destroy your life. He vowed to destroy my life because I rejected him. So... There are signs that I did see, and I just, I just. Now that moves me along to my next question. You say he vowed to destroy your life, and I know there was a brief time that you was missing in action from social media. Uh, it, did that have anything to do with it? It did. I, I allowed him to chase me off of social media. Um, the harassment, um, the stalking. Uh. He violated my privacy. Wow. You know, by, I don't know, I guess you call it hacking. Like when they get into your devices, yeah. your internet broke into my home. Like 
he did so much stuff that I felt like I had to run and hide. And I felt like I wasn't safe on social media. I even found out that at one point he was pretending to be me interacting with other men that he felt was being flirtatious with me. So wow. I went back and read messages like, what is this? Like, <laughs> you know, like he was fishing, trying to see who I was dating and who I was talking to. So when you, when you're faced with that, like I was just, I didn't know what to do. So what I did was just, I got off of social media. And what gave you the courage to come back? Was it a conversation? Was it just you had to do some self-healing and it just came to a point where you say, you know what, enough of this. I'm going to, you know, live my life and enjoy my life and let the chips fall where it may. Pretty much. Okay. Like it was, it was just a situation where I needed healing. And of course, at first I had to go through the pain and kind of go through all of those emotions that come with betrayal, you know, because not only did this person come after me with everything that they had, yeah. but they tried to, um, my character, they try to assassinate me, mm-hmm. you know, they try to do everything they could to destroy my life. So I really had to retreat. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of get myself together, figure out who my friends were. You know, that was another thing. Like when I needed people, I felt like, they weren't really there, but you know, it made me stronger. I feel like this situation made me stronger. It helped me to realize um, that instead of looking for other people to assist me, to help me, I had to do it for myself. So yes, I had to kind of go into like a deep hole and kind of rejuvenate and heal. And um, I just got sick of it. At a certain point, I just got tired of allowing him to continue to control my life. I still felt like he was orchestrating and controlling my life. When I had my radio show a few years ago, the following was great. Like I had a good rapport with Mm -hmm. my followers and the people who listened to my show. I lost all of that. You know, trying to get away from him, I lost everything that I worked hard for. But you know what you got back? You got back your peace of mind. Um, you was able to muster up the courage to take a break, reevaluate mm-hmm. the situation. And I think that shows the courageous spirit of black woman mm-hmm. because y'all go through a lot. And I just want to say- you And know, we go through it in, in silence. In silence. But I just want to say as your personal friend, I knew of certain things mm-hmm. and um, I seen you making the progress of coming back. Yeah. You know, I, I seen the indomitable spirit, you know, when you were strong. And um I take my hat off for you and I and I think that people can look at your story and use it as a cautionary tale and reevaluate their relationship mm. and see if they dealing with someone that's a narcissistic, right? I, yes. And if I could, I just want to speak no, you know, directly to the people out there. And I might say women or ladies, but I mean men, anyone who may think they're involved with a narcissist, it's very imperative um, that you look at the situation. If someone is dominating, I mean dominating your time, um, with stories and things that impact them in their own life, but they're keeping you on the phone. And, and people might think this is crazy, but no, keeping you on the phone for hours, not letting you off, 
popping up at your home, you know, and you're like, uh, you know, it's time for you to go. And they're wow, just, yeah. keep, wait, 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 let me tell you one more thing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know, just, just keeping you hostage, yeah. taking your time. That is a, a true sign of a narcissist. And always pointing the finger at someone else. And if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and children are involved, I'm pretty sure there's some emotional abuse that's going on as well. You have to document this. Um, and, and as a black woman, like I was trying to say, I was taught not to talk about what happens in your house. Yeah. I was taught you don't get the police involved. Yeah. That hurt me. Later on, when dealing with this person, it hurt me by not documenting, not filing reports, you know, not telling it hurt me in a, in a major way. So I just want to tell people out there, if you're dealing with a narcissist, take it serious. Look, if you suspect you're dealing with a narcissist, look up the information and try to protect yourself because it can turn into a very dangerous situation. Why do you think that narcissistic uh, personality disorder is not treated in the same manner as certain other mental illness Disorder. I think because it's difficult to uh, measure because a lot of narcissists refuse to get um, care. Like the person I was dealing with would not go and see a psychologist. And that was ultimately one of the reasons why I ended things with him because it was one of the, um, for us to kind of continue our relationship, I said, you have to go get counseling. Mm -hmm. And he told me he would. And so I'm like, all right, well, we'll see how it goes. He never did. And then he just outright refused to do it. So I'm like, you know, well, mm -hmm. we have to end this. Um, but I feel like, um, well, from research, they also say that these people, they, they will not go and seek help because they, it's nothing wrong with them. They yeah. always have to be seen They're in never a good light. They're always yeah, somebody it's else. It's always right? someone else. So it's hard for doctors. And I feel like... Um, not only the medical community, but other communities to kind of get a grasp on it mm. uh, because they're like so slippery. But a, a, a real big problem is in the justice system, okay. like the court system. Yeah. They don't take this serious at all. I tried to get, um, what is it when you restraining try to get a order? restraining order because he was not physically hitting me, yeah. they didn't take it serious. And so I'm talking about, you know, verbal abuse, financial abuse, you know, things of that nature. And they like, well, you, you didn't find no reports. You didn't, you know, they're, they're almost blame the victim. Uh. It's called legal abuse. It's actually a term. And there's actually people who are working to try to change the justice system. But there's so many women who are re-victimized by the system. System, yeah. I you see know? that a lot too. So it, it's a really big, big ordeal. I'm so grateful that I was able to maintain my, you know, composure, sanity. my sanity. And like you said, try to come back and, and regain my life um, after experiencing something like this. Because I would not, I, I wouldn't want this to be done to my worst enemy. Like, you know, it, well, it, it sounds was like he horror. might be your worst enemy. <laughs> Actually, he's nothing. He's nothing, <laughs> nothing okay. to me. Now, you, you, know know what, you, you know what I wanted to ask you? Now, you went through this. Um, you was able to overcome it. Um, you start seeing the telltale signs. You ask him to get help. But throughout our conversation, you mentioned your son 
mm. the one that told you what was the name of this illness. So mm. you was able to pinpoint it and say, oh, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you also said that you did research. Mm. And I think that's very key for those that, you know, I know the stigma of going to seek mental health uh, uh, and therapy, but you can go online and you can research this. So besides uh, research, have you yourself uh, seeked any therapy? I had to. I um I thought that I was strong enough and that I didn't need it. You know, I bought into that idea of I'm a strong black woman, I can handle it. You know, he ain't gonna break me. But it 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 really did have a huge impact because like I said, number one, it was a huge betrayal. Mm -hmm. And um something that I never saw coming. I never thought he would do because we would have certain conversations. And Mm -hmm. he got me good. Like, you know, he got me. You know, the one thing that he knew um, that would really devastate me, that's the betrayal. He did it. Uh. He went for it. And um, I had to get over that. Like, I'm still struggling with that. So I had to seek counseling. And it has helped. Like, it, it has helped a lot. So I implore anyone out there, like, if you're struggling and you're having a very difficult time, um, it's it's... <sighs> It's not bad to to get help and to to talk with someone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that see this, that know you, personal friends, family members, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, I didn't know. Mm. I didn't see it because you haven't displayed no signs. None. You didn't show weakness. And, and the first thing they're going to say is, why you didn't reach out to me? Had I known... And right. what would you say to those people that actually, why you didn't say nothing to them? You know, they should have, you know, they couldn't have seen the signs because you seemed like this strong. I was always happy. Like I always, I never showed that there was anything going on. Yeah. Um, Like most victims. Mm. And for, to even say you a victim is, is crazy too. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'm a victim anymore, but at the time I was. Mm-hmm. Um, So... I still was happy and I still, you know, um, was a, you know, a great mom and did everything I was supposed to do. And I just feel like those people, I think, I feel like a lot of them kind of knew because they would say things about the relationship. Mm. Like one of his friends even said to him, like, man, you keep her up in the house. Like she a princess. Like, how come you don't let her do this? Like people have voiced, you know, but they didn't, they just scratched. They didn't really look deep into it. So people saw things, you know, but um, I didn't speak on it because I just felt like, and that's, that's what made me the perfect partner is because he knew I wouldn't say nothing. You know, I, I am a very private person. Everyone who knows me knows I'm very private. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of the counseling that I'm receiving right now, it has given me the courage, the courage to openly speak. The ability to speak about it, um, because those—that's something that I want to address, and I don't want to hide anymore. Well, I'm glad you spoke and that you are speaking and will continue to speak, because if I know anything, I know that there are individuals out there that needs help, and you know the mean. I don't know who needs to hear this, <laughs> but there are true victims out there, and anytime we could do anything to enlighten them, yeah, to bring some type of understanding to what's going on, 
especially in black America. We're going to continue to do that right here on Necessary Blackness Podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to our last commercial break. And then we're going to come back with Marcy Lee, my lovely co-host. And um, we're going to wrap this episode up. Peace and Black Power family. And for those that are just joining us, you are tuned in to Necessary Blackness Podcast. This episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast is brought to you in part by Fun in the Rain by Marcy Lee. You can go ahead and pick that up at Amazon.com and find out more about this fabulous book. After spending screen time on her mother's smartphone, Elise's dad would like to play with her outdoors. It is raining and Elise does not want to go out and play. There is a package at the front porch. Will the contents inside help Elise to have fun playing in the rain? We will all have to find out. That's why you have to go over to Amazon.com and pick up Fun in the Rain by Marcy Lee. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the elementary genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Peace and power, black family. We are back, and I am still here with my lovely co-host, Marcy Lee. And um, I'm going to ask you one more question, sis. And then we're going to conclude this because sometimes you don't have to um, have a long, drawn-out conversation. And and I really felt that in the short time that we have spoken, that you definitely touched on some key issues. And we don't want to inundate people with a lot of information. Y'all need to take what this sister just gave y'all and um, make it work for you. And I think it's going to work for a lot of people that are in their relationships and that are listening to your voice and are self-evaluating what they've been going through, what they're currently going through. And maybe they didn't have a name for it, but now they can point their finger to it. Because I heard Marcy Lee talk about this on Necessary Blackness Podcast. Mm. That's deep, man, when you could... um, actually help people out man and touch lives i hope so, so, so I, you know i just uh, want to say that i i hope so like that is my whole reasoning for doing it because i didn't know any any of this mm-hmm. you know i, I kind of feel like i learned the hard way so i just hope that if any of this resonates with anyone like any small piece piece of it please look into it um and help to protect yourself because if this is something that you're going through you're going to need protection trust me Okay, so my last question is, do you think that people who knew him, or that know him, rather, would suspect that he was a narcissistic? I think that people close to him that um, who don't have blinders on, if they knew the characteristics, uh, I think it's kind of like what I did. You just wash over it. Like... 
you know, it's not a big deal, but they're not in a relationship with them. They get to go home. Mm. Um, I think that's a, a the big difference because when he's out in the public, he wants everyone to believe he's great, that he's this awesome guy, that, you know, he's going to help this person. Oh, like I'm just this, you know, this super kind person. Mm. But at home, that's not what we got. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. got judgments, criticism, and it really wasn't me. Like I said, he... The way he treated me was different than other people in the household. Other oh, okay. people in the household got criticism, judgment, you know, silent treatment. I did get the silent treatment. Like if I didn't do something that he wanted, um, silent treatments. And it's just kind of like, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. You know, but if he didn't get his way, um, which I kind of became conditioned to just let him have his way all the time, which built up a resentment within me. Yeah, you know, kind of like you know, I and the thing is, toward the last few years, I was with him, and people would ask me like, "What's going on?" I would say this: "I just want to be free." Who says that? You know, I would say, "I just want to be free." I just want to be free, and I think at the time, people was just like, "What?" But that's me. The voice inside was speaking out, like, "I just let me ask you something else." Don't freedom feel so good? It does. Like, it really does. You know, and I think that people who know me and who know um, about this situation, when they look at it, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah. Um, So the people who don't know him personally, they would never suspect it because he pretends to be this very likable individual. But people close to him, they've seen his rage. They've seen his criticisms. They've seen him lashing out. They've seen him judge and criticize, like just very toxic energy. And that's why I became more and more unattracted to him because of the toxic, the, the toxic energy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that people close to narcissists, um, people, people who suffer from narcissism, they'll be able to detect it. Well, y'all better put on y'all detectors and take off your blinders and find out if you in a relationship with someone that displays these characteristics and we already told you what you need to do, but don't only listen to us. Go online and do your research. Um, There is a black psychiatrist and I can't remember her name, but she's out of Atlanta and um, she helps people with this disorder. And there's other people, I'm sure. And there's self-help books. And there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, so with that, I am going to conclude with uh, this episode. And I just want to thank you for um, coming on here and being so transparent and, and telling your story. And, you know, people know my story. But I just be giving it to him a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And you gave us so much today. You know what, though? What we didn't do. What we didn't We asked if I have ever dealt with a narcissist. Well, we didn't ask if you ever dealt with a narcissist. Nah, you know what? Uh, probably, nah. I, I wouldn't say, um, I would say, you know, like certain characteristics, but it wasn't their main floor. Mm. You know what I mean? So... Um, so they didn't suffer from the disorder. They, they didn't just... suffer from the disorder, but they had certain characteristics, mm-hmm. you know. And then see, with me being a, a man, a male, and an alpha male at that, you know, um, situations really 
don't last long. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's I have no problem with telling someone to kick rocks, keep it moving, go. You know what I mean? Like right. no one can't bind the chain. Right. You, you know? know what you And see- then, you know, and I understand, you know, um there's certain men that may deal with females like that and just because you're a man don't mean you can't suffer from it. I'm not saying that. It's just that, you know, the type of person I am and the makeup that I have of who I am as an individual I put my heart in cold stories. Right. You know what I mean? I will not And you know, that. you bringing that up that though, it, it, it reminded me of, I need to say this to women or people who have children. That's one of the reasons why they stay in those situations. Like most abusive situations, they remain in that situation because they can't just up and leave. They worried about the kids. Maybe they're dependent on the, 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 um, the abuser. So, um, it takes a lot of courage, and you know, yeah. I can I can see you know a individual where um you know this person might be more financially stable than you, and you depending on them. You know, I you know from the time I was sixteen, I never was in a position right. where I was ever dependent on another human being. Right. So that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then just like you know, I will tell somebody, yo, you better kick rocks, you better <laughs> get up out of here. You know. Homie, don't play that over here. But nah, I never, you know. But you know what? With a narcissist, you might tell them to kick rocks, but that don't mean they're gonna kick rocks. That's the whole point of a narcissist, is that they don't they you you can't just leave. No. You know, so I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. how you know too, you ain't never dealt, dealt with a narcissist because they don't just let you go. Well, listen, I can, t- <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, you know, with all sincerity. That if I told someone, listen, you got to go, you got to leave, they they got up and they left. Okay. And they was happy that I did it in the manner that I did it in, and they was able to walk out there in peace. Mm. But then again, you know, this is why I used to badge, and I'm going to sign off for I say anything that will incriminate me, mm. but I understand what you're saying. You want to yeah. say something in your last closing words? No, I, I, well, yes, I just want to say, take it serious, take it serious. I know we did not cover a lot, but like Raheem said, we don't want to inundate you with, you know, so much that is like a a dark, deep um, conversation. This is just, you know, scratching the surface of a very important conversation that we need to have in a black community, um, because it's something that a lot of people suffer from absolutely, um, and which prevents growth and building in the black community. So that's it. Peace and power, black family. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. We out.